Welcome to the Spiritual Leadership Podcast with Pastor Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and founder and president of West Coast Baptist College. Well, I'm excited about today's edition of the Spiritual Leader Podcast, and I'm especially excited about the topic, Grace for a Growing Church. You know, we're commanded to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as individuals, but I have found that through the years as a church grows and as a church grows through various transitional times, grace is needed in the body as well. And we're going to see that today from the book of Acts, and I'm excited to see how God's grace helps us with those transitions. But before we look at our lesson, and this will be part one of two, I want to also mention that we are always glad to receive questions here at the Spiritual Leadership Podcast. And you can send your questions to QA at LancasterBaptist.org. QA at LancasterBaptist.org. And I've got a few questions that have come in over the past few weeks, and I thought we'd take a moment and just address some of those right now. First of all, someone has asked, what tools do you use to study the American culture and the needs of your local area culture? And uh, boy, are the needs ever more uh, pressing upon us. And, and I think the question is asked with the idea of how to preach, uh, how to minister, uh, how to really be relevant in the sense of uh, making a difference with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so uh, I would say concerning the culture, uh, every one of us should read our local paper. I think that's a good starting point just to see what's happening in your local culture. It might be something dealing with same-sex marriage or marijuana or uh, some uh, attitude on the school board towards uh, some particular curriculum. And for me, there are so many things happening in the state of California uh, that I have to choose the battles wisely. But I do participate in texting our state senators, state assemblymen. Uh, I correspond uh, periodically with our governor's office, uh, just at least to be the salt and light that God has called me to be. And the Bible says that the men of Issachar were men who had understanding of their times, and uh, certainly we should as well. Uh, the Apostle Paul, on his uh, sermon at Mars Hill, quoted from the poets of the day. Uh, I think some men, uh, spend more time reading the paper and the sports page and, and all this type of stuff maybe than they should. So I can't tell you the balance of that. Obviously, stay in the Word of God because more than we need to know about the culture, we need to know about the answers from God's Word. Uh, as far as the American culture, uh, honestly, for me personally, I use the Fox News app and uh, I check that out two or three times a day. I don't have a lot of time to watch evening news, but between the local paper and the, and the national uh, app there, uh, it helps me to see what's going on. And obviously, when there's something that's just crossing against the scriptural teaching, uh, it's something that I may weave into a Bible study or a message, uh, but it's got to be in the text. It's gotta be something that uh, was, was generally there. Uh, this Sunday, for example, I'll be preaching about uh, Pharaoh's statement, I know not the Lord, and I'm going to bring out some issues of our day uh, up in Northern California, Cal State Berkeley, and, and just the anti-God spirit that was shown there this week by people who don't know the Lord. So I would encourage you to see the need and then give the biblical response. Second question was, uh, a pastor wrote and said, uh, we have a city of 600,000 people. We believe we need to start 
either a chapel ministry or an extension ministry and ultimately a new church on the other side of town? What are some things to do to get ready for this process? Well, first of all, thank you for having faith to reach out. Uh, we have several satellite ministries as well, and we believe that some of those will become uh, church plants over time. And so it's exciting. And I would say several things. First of all, uh, as you consider the other side of town or the need of your growing area, uh, make sure that you are preparing financially. Uh, in order to establish a presence and to do it right, you're gonna have rental costs, you're gonna have uh, various uh, monthly uh, costs for supplies and so forth. So be sure to set, <coughs> excuse me, set aside uh, financially for this great outreach. Uh, secondly, begin to pray. And here's what I would pray for. Pray for the man or the family that's going to lead this effort. Uh, Dr. Lee Robertson often said, everything rises and falls on leadership. So make sure that you're praying for the right person uh, doctrinally, uh, practically, someone who's a good speaker and so forth. And then I always start by speaking to small groups within our church like the deacons, the staff. Uh, I begin uh, talking to individual influencers in the church. So that by the time it's announced, uh, maybe in conjunction with a missions uh, conference, there's already a buy-in and folks are getting excited about it. Uh, I just would say to you that uh, a lot of studies show that people are not going to drive more than 10 or 15 minutes to church. And uh, certainly uh, with our Westside Satellite Ministry, uh, we have found some of the folks that were kind of infrequent to our campus are every Sunday people there now. And then they've reached a good number of new folks as well. Uh, the ministry that we started right here in our community of, of around a half a million people that's on the other side of town uh, is uh, averaging now, I'd say about 140 on a weekly basis, 10 months later. And uh, I would say fully half of those are new believers that have been baptized. And part of, part of the process with us was also to take two or three core families who lived in that area and just ask them if they'd be willing to help start this. And uh, they're there, I saw them last Sunday, I drove over in between our two services and uh, they're happy with the fruit they're having a part in, uh, in uh, coming to pass. And so uh, I'll pray that God blesses you and thank you for that great question. The third question and final question today, how do you stay motivated to do more for your ministry? You know, uh, I uh, wrote a booklet about uh, 10 sacred motivations and, and uh, motivation really does matter. Uh, I think that uh, certainly the duty uh, of the call is, is always present upon us. But some of the motivations that I feel in my heart, uh, first of all, I wanna let the love of Christ motivate me. I think if we stay in tune with and in relationship with Christ, uh, that there's a compelling desire to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. I am motivated by uh, the next generation. I have a great burden for the youth and even for my own family and grandchildren. I wanna do everything I can for the next generation. I am motivated by the word of God. Uh, God's word gives me certain commandments and, and I certainly wanna be faithful to the word of God. I'm motivated by the calling of God upon my life. Uh, sometimes I just go back and remember when God called me to preach and I'm motivated by the people of God. I wanna be a faithful leader uh, in the sense of uh, giving a good testimony. And so these are some of the things that motivate me uh, for the ministry. On a practical note, 
good preaching motivates me. Sometimes a good book will motivate me. And sometimes just taking a day off gets me charged up. Uh, so whatever it takes, I pray that you'll stay motivated for the work of God. Well, let's talk today about grace for a growing church. And when I think of a growing church, I always go right back to Jerusalem. It was amazing what God did at Jerusalem. And uh, when you think about 3,000 people being saved and added to the church, and uh, you think about the grace that must have been needed in that setting. And, uh, and I always like to begin uh, when I speak about grace and growth. I like to always mention that we should never make growth our goal. Uh, I'm convinced that there are some pastors uh, today who in beginning their ministry, uh, they're preaching the truth, and they begin to see what really looks successful on the internet or with some megachurch across town, and they think, boy, if I would pattern after that, then certainly uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really grow. And, and what, what really winds up happening is, is that they start looking and feeling and acting differently, and they so many times don't grow. Uh, I can think of two or three churches right now that have kind of changed the look and the feel and, and uh, the dynamic. Unfortunately, I've seen some make even some changes of Bible versions and things of this nature, all in an attempt to try to grow. And, uh, and you know, I used to say uh, when it comes to preaching, God's just chosen the foolishness of preaching. So just rightly divide the word of truth. God hasn't called me to be the Jay Leno of the Baptist ministries, you know, to get up there on a stool and tell jokes and try to be something that I'm not. Don't try to be something that you're not. Don't look on the internet and, and uh, say, you know, if I do this and this and this, then I'll grow. Make God your goal. Don't make growth your goal. But having said that, I believe if you're preaching the word, loving the people, removing the obstacles, the church is a dynamic living organism that God created for growth. And we see that uh, at Pentecost, 2,500% growth in one day, not bad. Uh, we see growth throughout the word of God, Acts 4.4, the number of the men that were saved, 4,000. Just amazing to think about the power of the gospel. And every growing church will grow by God's grace, and every growing church needs to make adjustments by God's grace. When we look at Jerusalem, uh, we remember in Acts chapter 6 that as the church was growing, there were some people being neglected. And we know about the widows that were being neglected. And suddenly, the pastors pause and they, they hear the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart, and they say to the church, choose you out among you, seven men, uh, seven men that are full of the Holy Ghost and faith, whom we may appoint over this business. And as the Holy Ghost spoke, and as those men were sensitive to the need, by God's grace, they began to make a transition. Delegation was happening. Uh, godly delegation was happening, ministry was taking place, and the church continued going forward uh, because they were willing to hear the problem, seek God's mind in the problem. So let me share some things with you along those lines because uh, when these problems arise, God is not as interested in assigning the blame as he is in solving the problem. And he puts us as leaders in the church Titus 1.5, to set in order the things that are wanting. But that does take God's grace. It takes the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when I think about growing through these seasons of transition, the first thing that I want to challenge you with today is simply 
being willing to perceive the need, being willing to recognize. You know that there are about 70% of the churches in America today are either stagnant or in decline. Now, if that's one of, if your church is one of those churches and you're doing nothing differently, I mean, if you're just living life to be faithful to your alma mater and, uh, you know, just right there with your old uh, friends, you know, and amen, brother, and we may be dying, but we're going to stand here till the end. Uh, you know, I, I, I applaud your faithfulness and your loyalty as a friend, but I, I want to see God do something with my life, and, and I believe you do as well. So, so I just would say to you, don't see the decline and do nothing. And the, the pastors uh, in Jerusalem teach us that when they heard about a need, they were sensitive to respond. Proverbs 7.22, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flock. And so uh, when I think about the state of the flock, I think about different seasons of the flock. And, and I think first of all about that season when uh, the church is really just a dream. Maybe a church planter was dreaming and, and praying. And, and then when the church was really conceived, and maybe that was uh, at the a home church when there was a send away service and and uh, so forth and then and then now uh, I think of the birthing of the church maybe a chartering Sunday and you know all of those days are exciting and you got all these kind of baby Christians and then you you hit you know year one or two and you're going wow you know we've got a bunch of baby Christians what do we do and you start thinking in terms of maybe more of an organized Sunday school or uh, a systematic discipleship now no longer can the pastor do all the discipleship now you're going to have some structured discipleship on a particular time and with the people that you initially trained and uh, now you're moving from uh, the the birth to the infancy time where the church is uh, beginning to stretch some muscles and develop and then uh, you begin to expand and perhaps the need will be to hire a secretary or a music pastor and and now you're expanding then you'll get to a place where uh, the church is two, three, four hundred, and now you're doing weddings and funerals and counseling and camps and missions conferences. And now you begin to balance and you say, wow, we were doing tons of soul winning. Now we're starting to do too much managing. And you begin to ask yourself, how can we share the load so that we don't forget evangelism while also doing the edification? And, and all of this is to say, that we must have grace to discern the season of our ministry. So I would say uh, you ought to take some time to just really jot down where you are in ministry. Uh, what are some of the needs that you have right now that you perceive? And, uh, and, and then as you're jotting those down, uh, asking the Lord to give you the grace to be willing to change, to be willing to delegate, to be willing to stop a program or add a program and so forth. Uh, when, you, when you make these assessments, uh, you're going to think in terms of these kinds of needs. Uh, what part of the church is being neglected because I'm not taking action? What part of the facilities are overloaded because I'm not taking action? Uh, what part of the calendar is just needing some reduction of activity? That's one of our big ones here at Lancaster Baptist Church. Uh, are there some leaders that are being uh, overly worked? Is there some leadership fatigue? Uh, for example, we have a rule, no one can be in more than two ministries and no one can miss more than one service a week for their ministry. Some churches have a bad habit of 
just burning out really faithful people. Um, you might ask, is there some carnal behavior in the church? Is there, is there some, some leader that's not coming to church much or getting involved in some questionable situations? As a leader, you've got to perceive what's the slowdown from. And, and as you perceive that problem, that takes grace, discernment. That leads us secondly to this matter of admitting the problem. And in some of these cases, you go to a staff or a few key men and you ask for prayer and you let them know, I'm beginning to sense that we're, we're having a problem here with facilities or with staff or I'm sensing that maybe it's time that we had a renewed kickoff for soul winning and, and canvassing our area to generate uh, new leads and so forth. And, uh, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that the 12 called together the congregation and they began to discuss the problem, how to make it right. Now always remember, with every problem, there's a breakthrough opportunity. Every problem brings a great opportunity to break through and to go to the next level. And uh, it's very important that we're willing to admit uh, the problems uh, that we've been neglecting heretofore. Acts 20, 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and unto all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. I like to say to the students here at West Coast Baptist College, see the need and take the lead. That's why I'm always carrying paper, three by five cards, and writing things down. And if I see a hindrance, I wanna be responsible to it. So a couple of thoughts on uh, admitting the problems of neglect. First, uh, there may be some neglect in the flock. Uh, it may be the widows, it may be teens, it may be choir, but, but if there's something like that, make a note of that. Uh, there may be some uh, need in your staff. Uh, there may be someone on staff that's doing a job that really, uh, it's not their spiritual giftedness, uh, it's not being done well, they're a good person, you're gonna treat them right, but maybe they need to be transferred to do something else. Maybe there's a need for new staff. Uh, maybe there's a need for training of the existing staff. I'm amazed at how uh, few churches have not just a to-do staff meeting with a list of stuff to do, but training times. And we have those a couple times a month on Fridays, and, and I believe our staff is sharpened by just the training along the way. Uh, it, it may be something with your facilities. You know, a lot of times when I go preach out, a younger pastor will say to me, Brother Chapel, is there anything that you would have recommended to be done differently in the flow of the service or the facilities? Now, I'm an observant person, sometimes too observant. Uh, I can walk into a huge room and see the one light bulb that's out, and uh, I wish I didn't have that spiritual gift sometimes. And I never, I never comment about those things unless I'm asked. But let me just say, I think as a pastor, even, uh, even at 55, from time to time, I need to ask other people for input because we can kind of get accustomed to everything. And when I'm asked that question, I give honest feedback. Sometimes one of the common problems that I see is improper lighting on the platform, the pastor standing in the shadows. Uh, sometimes it's a, a fatigue of the facilities. Sometimes I may have sensed a spirit of uh, maybe an antagonistic spirit within some of the people or uh, an indifferent staff member. If I'm asked, I'll say something. And I think you'd be wise to get those out of the box comments that might help you discern, you know, why is it that we're stuck here on the side of the road? And then another area of neglect just might be the calendar. Uh, and it's so important a couple times a year to 
to really look at the calendar, be willing to move events, to be willing to uh, subtract events. Uh, as you admit those problems of neglect and jot them down, now you're able to start making some forward motion. You also might want to look at some of the problems of what I call problems of spirit. Um, uh, you see, the fact of the matter is that a lot of times a church may have clean facilities. They may have great staff. But how's the spirit of the church? And it's amazing to me. You can tell when the spirit is really right, and you can tell when there's a struggle. We had a great meeting Wednesday night with just a great bunch of hundreds of men. And there was a responsiveness. There was a good altar call. There was a gratitude of heart. And other times, you can just sense it's not like it should be. And I think it's important for the pastor to prayerfully consider where are the people right now spiritually? Sometimes you may need a Monday, Tuesday meeting or even a revival meeting um, just to really focus on the spiritual things. Uh, John Adams was writing to his grandson towards the end of his life and he said, the longer I live, the more patiently I think and the more anxiously I inquire and the less I seem to know. Walk humbly that is enough. You know, I think one of the real spirit problems that comes into a church is the spirit of pride. And, you know, there's, there's such a fine line between having a discerning spirit and having a critical spirit. My mom told me when I was a teenager, she said, son, God's given you discernment, but don't let that become a critical spirit. Sometimes in our good fundamental preaching churches, uh, which are blessed with discernment of of carnality and compromise, that can show a dirty side too. And the underbelly of discernment is just being critical of everything out there. You know, I've learned a long time ago, God called me to pastor the Lancaster Baptist Church. If someone asks me to make an assessment elsewhere, I will. But I don't wanna be so full of pride that uh, I view my job as to just you know constantly comment about everyone else's ministry. Pride goeth before destruction. And I'll just say to you that if your church becomes filled with that uh, spirit of pride, uh, mark my words, it will ultimately affect and devastate your ministry. So keep a servant's heart. Uh, recognize that Jesus made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant. It might be in your own heart as a Christian leader. Certainly the Lord's had to convict me from time to time of having a, a, a heart that is not proud, but a heart that is humble. Um, the Bible says as pastors, we're not to lord over God's heritage, but we're to make sure that we have a servant-heartedness as pastors. And then, of course, we want to beware not only of pride in the church, but it may be an apathetic spirit in the church. So as you're writing down some of these thoughts, you may jot down some of the practical facilities, staff, schedule, but then you got to write down some of the issues maybe in the church of pride or apathy, things that maybe you've sensed or things that you know are happening. Isn't it amazing in Revelation 3 that Jesus said, I know thy works, and he does, and we can ask him. Sometimes the problem may be not a problem of neglect, not a problem of spirit. It may be a problem of order, and, and the reason for the slowdown is that there's a lack of order. Uh, it may be uh, that that order is because there's a lack of clarity. The ushers don't understand. The teachers need training or they need to know how this new schedule will work. Sometimes it may be in the area of alignment. People need to know who they report to, who do they call for supplies, who do they call if something's broken. Make sure that you have good 
order and alignment in your, in your process of ministry. And so as we think about this matter of growing in grace as a local New Testament church, make sure that you're a leader who perceives the need. And if there's a slowdown in this trend, uh, then step back. You know, Don't just keep doing the same old thing because you're gonna get the same old result. And in some ways we do keep preaching, we keep praying, of course, but in other ways, what can we do differently? Perceive the need and then admit the problem. Is it a problem of function? Is it a problem of spirit? Uh, how can we identify and jot those things down? And then we're going to talk in our next lesson about how to adjust the process. Uh, how do we begin to make those adjustments? And I'll just give you a, a quick thought uh, or two, and we'll pick back up here next time. But let me just encourage you as you begin to make those adjustments, come back to the purpose of your church. What is the purpose of your church? You say, well, it's to, it's to win souls and disciple people. Well, what if you have huge amounts of effort every Saturday, you know, marching for life, marching for, uh, you know, the poor and the hungry and, and food and food banks and uh, all of these things which we do and all these things which are good, but you're going to have to ask yourself, has the church gotten off of purpose? Are we, are we forgetting that the main thing is soul winning? And, and so as you make those assessments, you're going to find that you'll also have to make the adjustments. You may have to come back to teaching your mission, loving God, growing together, serving others, helping the church get back to a biblical mission. And, and then you may need to begin enlisting new leaders as well as retraining some of the old. So I want to encourage you as you grow in grace, perceive the need, admit the problem, and then begin to make the adjustments, all right? And jot some of those needs down and then admit where those problems are, whether they're problems of function or spirit, and then begin to jot down, how are you gonna make an adjustment? And we'll come back to some of these adjustments in our next time together. But I pray that God will give you wisdom as a leader and that you will be able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and that God will use you in a special way on behalf of the church. And let me just say this as we close. More than anything, more than any area of administration, make sure that you're keeping your heart and your soul close to the Lord. If I could say it in this loving way, make sure that you're not the problem. I believe sometimes in, in my own ministry that my spirit has been the hindrance and, um, you know, I read a little quote some years ago, and it went something like this. The life of the village is found in the stream. Your soul is the stream, and you are the keeper. And so the village depends on a fresh stream, and the church family depends on a pastor who has a soul that's clean, and fresh because as the pastor's ministry and life goes, many times so goes the church. The life of the village depends on the health of the stream and the health of the church is oftentimes dependent upon our growing in grace. So may God give you the grace personally and then administratively and structurally to see the greater days ahead in your ministry. We trust you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Leadership Podcast. If there's a question or topic you would like Pastor Chapel to address in future episodes, send an email to qa at lancasterbaptist.org.